Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James, and I've waited a few weeks to say this, but this is Pete. G'day, everyone. Great to be back. back. Well, I was happy to see Pete. Look, I'm happy to be here. I thought Adam did a great job with my absence. He did. He and did. And I'm surprised it I went back into the seat. It was a long and searching conversation between me and the production team around here about mm. whether we wanted to stay with Adam or go with Pete. Yep. Eventually, Adam's contract demands were just something that we couldn't match. Mm. So, yeah, he's uh, like that, isn't he? Because uh, Penny Pinch of Pete over here, uh, you saved the day once again with well, uh, your low contract demands, but then the trade-off is the low quality. But we're happy to have you back nonetheless. You get what you paid for, mate. All right, <laughs> so we've got a huge show for you guys coming up. We're going to be talking to Drew Pavlo. He uh, was one of the organisers of the Hong Kong protests at the University of Queensland. So we're going to be talking to him about some of the violence that unfolded down there. We're also going to be talking to him about schooling. Tony Jones on Q&A, which is a lifelong dream of many listeners of this show, and many hosts of this show, I would say. Uh, so we want to know what the emotions are as you go through them. Absolutely, um, can't wait for that. Yeah, uh, we're also going to be talking to a friend of the show, Kirsty O'Sullivan, about some of the media that the Liberal Democrats in Victoria got off the back of Australia banning another video game. We've got uh, Pacific Island nations, Trump wanting to buy Greenland, fake Chinese police cars. Pete, anything that you're particularly looking forward to talking about in this show? I'm really looking forward to Trump buying Greenland. Yes. I want to, you know, it's just, it's going to be great. All right, well, let's not spoil it all now because <laughs> we do want to get into that. But I think yeah. the uh, big story that we want to start off with, Pete, is... Probably, like, you got, like, four days of media coverage was the Pacific Island Nation conference. That's right. So the Pacific Islands Forum uh, that Scott Morrison went to last week, a big thing about whether or not we should be banning coal, mining and banning coal energy production. Now, the the latest news in this is that opposition spokeswoman for uh, foreign affairs, Penny Wong, actually did say on Sunday that the ALP would... Wouldn't even wouldn't accept an immediate coal ban either on new coal mines and coal-fired power plants, uh, which was which as I said was the request of the. Sorry, uh, I just knocked the entire table. So bolts is kicking yeah, off yeah. here. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Wong said, "Of course not. Coal remains an important industry for Australia, and it remains part of the global." energy mix she told abc insiders on Sunday. Yeah. now of course she's right about this yes um, uh well yeah so the big story being like there's all these specific island nations that are saying australia needs to stop coal and australia yeah. saying but but everyone likes coal yeah everyone yeah. likes coal so and including you know the un also making comments representative of the un and jacinda Ardern, prime minister of new zealand now look we i talked about this a couple of weeks ago bangladesh we had a few weeks ago saying to australia we're going to need more coal in the future yeah there's 11 million people in bangladesh that don't have access to coal yeah i uh, don't have access to electricity there's 1.2 billion people in the world that don't have access to electricity or don't have much access to electricity. I would like to know, as I asked back then, what do you say to these people? You walk into a dwelling where there's no electricity and you say, and you know, people there are deciding, do I send my kid to the doctor because they're sick or do I feed them because I can't afford to do both? Yeah. What do you say to these people? Oh, you know, I know that climate change is a bad thing. There's um, research by Bjorn Lomborg, Danish researcher, friend of the show, I would say, constantly assesses the cost of climate change policies and the cost of the policies, the human cost, always outweighs the cost of climate change itself. So I know it's a problem and we have to adapt to it, but uh, this yeah. is not the answer. The other thing with these Pacific Island nation leaders is like it, it, when they call for Australia to, you know, you've got to stop building coal mines, you've got to stop exporting coal, it's like, mm. don't look north. Yes. <laughs> the amount of stuff we're doing is a blip on the radar compared to what's going on in China. Exactly but China's right. a bit harder to yell at. Yeah, well... Yeah. A fair bit harder a to fair yell bit at. Harder to yell we're about to discuss, but we want to talk about this because this one captured both of our imaginations immensely this mm. week. So Trump wants to buy Greenland. Seems to be the rumor. Who like it's not like official put in stone that he definitely wants to buy Greenland. He's definitely tweeted about it, which I think people who are watching the show on YouTube are looking at right now, uh, with a giant golden Trump tower over a small uh, Greenland village. Um, but it, it's one of those ones where, like, it's like everyone's taking it very seriously now. You know, oh, what is, uh, well, Denmark's operating Greenland at a loss. What can America do? The natural resources, the population and stuff. But it's like, I am so desensitized to stuff in the Trump news thing that yeah. it, I hear, read the red line, Trump, uh, headline that Trump wants to buy Greenland. I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Back in the day, if Obama... That's not the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, exactly. Well, back in the day, if Obama had said, yeah, we're considering yeah. buying Greenland, you'd be like, oh my the God. story for a year. <laughs> like, the Trump Greenland is already starting to age a fair bit. Yeah, it's like, like, ah, yeah. there's been a million things since then. Well, and look, and people might think it'll never happen. Yeah. Remember when everyone said Donald Trump would not be Prime Minister? I mean, yeah. President even? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, America does have a history of buying stuff like this. That's like, right. They bought Alaska, they well. bought the entire South and Louisiana Purchase. Like, it's not the... Oh, it, I missed that one, actually. Yeah, so it's like, it's not the, the biggest rule out in the history of the world but um yeah just 
you know, the the Trump presidential library is going to be more fascinating with each passing day. Like, I've, I've, we've got all the tweets, and now I've just got, oh, yeah, that one month where he decided to buy Greenland, and yeah. now we have it. Yeah, there you go. Look, $7.2 million is what Alaska was built for. Yeah. Uh, bought for. Yeah. I just wanted to share that. And Manhattan for a bag of beans. To show so I've done my research. America's got a long and proud tradition of... Uh, buy low, sell high. Yeah. Imagine if they sold Greenland afterwards. They just like redid it. Trump is, oh no, he's been successful yeah. as a businessman. He's been back up a few times, right. I think. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, unfortunately, the mood's got to have to go back down because, B, there's some pretty weird stuff happening around Australia in the Hong Kong protests. There is. Almost as weird as buying Greenland is fake Chinese cars have been spotted around Australia. So we'll speak later, as we mentioned, about uh, these protests between pro-Hong Kong protesters and Chinese nationalists in Australia. But there's been a few developments over the last couple of days. Fake Chinese cars have been spotted in Adelaide in Perth yep. as protests in those cities have, uh, what's the word, ramped up. Uh, now, what, what sort of tickled my fancy a little bit and sort of made me feel a little bit worried was the spokeswoman for the Western Australian Police Force who said it had nothing to do with the Hong Kong rallies. The owner just thought it was a cool thing to do. No, it's she just said, a prank. People are buying the decals on eBay. Yeah. I think you've been had spokeswoman yeah, yeah. for the Western Australian Police Force. Like, what a wild prank that is. Yeah. <laughs> As a joke, yeah. let's freak everyone out. And maybe start violence. Yeah, like, exactly. Great prank. Are you are you an agent of the Chinese government? No, I got an eBay mate. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so let's uh, let's see what yeah. happens with that. Well, there's another one that like uh, Twitter and Facebook. Like the other big thing is that Twitter and Facebook are cracking down on fake accounts or government backed accounts on their platforms that are mm. just trying to like so dis. Uh, uh, so disunity. What's the word? disunity. I'll mm. go with that. Probably not the right word, but it, uh, it's better than me just babbling on with <laughs> nothing. So disunity yeah. in Hong Kong, and they've shut down like two hundred thousand accounts. Oh, yeah. I read on Reddit today. Uh, they've all gone. Twitter's just put them down. So mm. I'm going to lay into Twitter in a fair bit in the show, but I did want to acknowledge that Twitter did something quite heroic this week. You're standing a up for freedom. You're a fan. Hey, I, I call it as I see it. Uh, and the other one about the Hong Kong stuff in Australia was a poster with death threats on it directed at pro-Hong Kong protesters was protected by security protesters. guards. Protesters. <laughs> you said protesters. <laughs> well, I know how... you've been to England, Pete, but like, <laughs> don't come back here with your hoity-toity nature. Well, that's how the Queen says it. So. <laughs> anyway. You two hung out a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that was in the main four of the University of the Technology of Sydney. One poster said, take back your Hong Kong, Hong Kong independence speech if you don't want to die, which is fairly... Well, you know, That's heavy. And the other one said, this slap is for the CPC committee. So eventually that was taken down. But yeah, yeah right. Just set, set yeah, it's, it's not going away and it's getting weirder and more concerning mm. every week. We'll um, speak to Drew. We will indeed. Uh, that's going to be a really good interview. I'm really looking forward to that. Excellent. All right. Uh, the other big story we should talk about is a friend of the show, friend of the IPA, and one of the people that sends out, hey, what did I miss? The IPA's weekly email with Pete and I, mm. Kurt Wallace. I call him Kurdo. Kurdo. His name's Kurt Lee, which I call him. Uh, but Pete's really pushing out this Kurdo nickname last yeah, few weeks. This is so bad, it's good. <laughs> Uh, is it? Anyway, uh, he got a lot of media this morning, all over news.com.au, News Limited, talking about the minimum wage. So he's got a new uh, report out, parliamentary research brief, which we do here at the IPA, talking about minimum wage. Now, the Australia's minimum wage is 19.49 an hour. Mm. It's it is the highest in the developed world. So what Kurt's saying is like, look, you know, minimum wage is something when we call for minimum wage to get axed. We get a lot of crap, and I don't understand it. Like, I do understand it in the ca in the sense of, like, it sounds bad, but mm. when you look at it for longer than 15 seconds, you can start to see why we're actually right. Yeah. Uh, so the whole thing is, like, you know, if people are new to the whole minimum wage should be scrapped idea, when you raise a minimum wage, you don't get everyone with a job just getting a bit more. You're just saying, like, below this is a cutoff point where it becomes – uh, if you're not worth that to an employer, you're not going to get a job. And mm. once you don't have a job, you're never going to get the skills that's going to make you more more employable. Mm -hmm. And it's that second part that really gets uh, Kurtz gets stuck into. So uh, Kurtz shows that nearly two-thirds of minimum wage workers moved to higher-paid work within two years and just 3% remained in low-paid work after five years. So if you get a job, you do start the upwards mobility. And b because we have such a high minimum wage, there's so many people in Australia that just aren't getting that first job. That's exactly right. And it's a moral issue, not an economic issue. The, yeah. the, the standard, well, standard New Start allowance for someone, a single person on New Start allowance is $7.31 an hour. Yeah. Minimum wage, as you said, is $19.49 an hour. So the government is saying it is illegal for you to work for $15 an hour. Yeah. You have to sit at home and earn $7. What was it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, like, uh, so a few more stats that talk about how much of a problem it is of people not getting a job or not being able to increase it. So 
World Economic Forum ranks Australia 105th least flexible labour market out of 140 countries. That's not good. 38% of 15 to 19-year-olds are either unemployed or underemployed, and 250,000 Australians aged 15 to 24 are not engaged in work, study, or caring for children. Now, I've got friends who simply can't get a job, and it's the stuff like the highest minimum wage in yep. the developed world that's stopping them even getting a foot, like, a foot in the door. Mm, exactly yeah. right. It's a, it's a moral issue. Okay, last story before we get into heroes and villains. Let's talk about Argentina. That's right, James. So Argentina is an emerging bit of a problem in Latin America. They've had huge economic problems in recent weeks and months and even years, to be honest. So on August 11, they held a presidential election. Uh, the current president, Maurizio Macri, lost to left-leaning candidate Alberto Fernandez uh, and his running mate, former president Christina Kirchner. Now, this isn't the final election. The final election's in October. However, the performance of the president in that election and, and, and the way it looks like the opposition's going to actually win has sent the, uh, the economy into a tailspin. Investors around the world are worried that if Fernandez gets elected, he will attempt to renegotiate the country's debt with the yeah. IMF. Uh, there's been lines for food, inflation's gone out of control, the stock markets and the currency have plunged. Now, we should be fair, you know, the economy was already pretty bad. Uh, so, you know, for ordinary people, inflation had risen 22% to 48% since December 2015, and the price of electricity has risen over... Th- a thousand percent between 2015 and 2018, which is almost as much as Australia, but um, it is an emerging problem. And 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 this this guy is described, this Fernandez guy is described as a left wing populist. It's fine to be a populist if you're left wing, James. Um, so we'll just we'll just and his his positive performance so far in the elections has made things worse. Uh, and it's just an emerging story that people should take uh, keep an eye on, and we'll keep you updated on developments in the coming months. All right, uh, let us go to our heroes in villains segments for this week. So, the Grunt the Pig Freedom Award, one of our favourite awards here. So, Grunt the Pig, inspirational pig of freedom, oh, just wants oh, to walk there around. Is. There is the snort, oh. snort of freedom. Uh, I, I could watch that clip all day for I people do, who are watching sometimes. on YouTube. Yeah, I've I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> this whole I went to England is a ruse. You were just at, in your house watching Grunt the Pig clips for two, three weeks. I straight. did say pigs in England, but that's a second. Uh, uh, save that gold for the end of the yeah. show when we catch up. Uh, but anyway, so Pete, we nominate each week someone who stood up for freedom around the world, and you wanted to nominate Adam Lior. That's right. So the bloke's name is Adam Lior. He's a Malaysian Australian chef, television presenter, and author. Yep. Winner of the second series of MasterChef for yep. those people out there who love MasterChef. Yep, the Golden Age. <laughs> yep, uh, the golden age. Well, now, when I watched at least. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, no, he was, he was a winner of MasterChef. Now, he tweeted during the week, when people discuss a sugar tax, they should really think about it less as a way of forcing people to eat less of a thing they don't like and more as a way of enabling government to raise revenue by taxation of basic exactly. needs. So, Adam, you've nailed it. Now, go yeah. on here. You did have another tweet uh, following on from that, one of those threads the, the kids call them. Since the dawn of civilization from Roman Empire and the Mongol Yuan Threats. dynasty... Through to the nice French Garbel and British colonialism in India, taxing salt has been a tool of authoritarian control of retail commerce. But don't worry, I'm sure a sugar tax will be just fine. Bit of sass from Adam. I love it. Uh, it is so refreshing to have a celebrity chef that actually stands up for people deciding what they want to eat. Oh, mate, that's that's one of the one of my reasons that I've written down here for liking it is that these <laughs> celebrity chefs yep. like to sermonise to us about how fat we are yeah. and how the government should do something about it. Yeah. Yet they make millions of dollars out of their food porn. Yeah, exactly. You know, triple choc, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'm glad that he's seen the light. And the other thing I like about this, this bloke is in that lefty space, right? Like he's cool like us, but cooler. And um, <laughs> I'd back myself and call, call off. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he, uh, so he is in that lefty space. When I was doing the, the massive research for this segment that I always do, yep. there was a BuzzFeed article about him 15 times. Adam Lior nailed it on social media. But like, you know, that's kind of. Yes. So yeah. he's in that space. He's made this point. And it was everything. Yeah, only was yeah. everything. Oh, so far, it was I am here for it. It was mildly amusing the first time someone did it. But yep. anyway. Was it? <laughs> I didn't want it. Anyway, Adam Lior, Grant the Pig Freedom Award nomination for the week. Got yeah, it's mate? a good one. And any more celebrity chefs that want to stand up for people's yeah. right to decide what they want to eat, more than welcome. All right, uh, my one is Michael Moore. So this one is a bit confusing. Michael mm. Moore, not exactly the biggest friend of freedom and liberty around the world. I was confused at first. Uh, but uh, he's got this new documentary out with uh, director Jeff Gibbs. So he's producing and uh, backing it and promoting it. Jeff Gibbs is directing it. And it's about renewable energy. And mm. immediately everyone's like, Michael Moore, renewable energy. Here we go. This is a big old snooze fest. Um, but anyway, it turns out that it's talking about how renewable energy in the world today is this like government-backed, people are rent-seeking, people are making tons of money off it. It's not actually saving the world. It's not actually doing all the things that people uh, propose it. Go, it goes after Al Gore, Van Jones, who served as Barack Obama's special advisor for green jobs, Bill McGibbon, the 350 org leader, like 
all these big names. So this documentary actually sounds like something that people should watch because renewable industry, it always sounds like this golden, uh, like these golden childs who just mm. spread peace and joy throughout the world. But it's like, no, they make money too. And they a do lot. bad things too. They make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. Yeah, no, good on Michael Moore because, you know, you always think this guy's a bit of a whatever. Yes. Yep. But he's gone and, uh, you know, gone against his normal beliefs. Yes, I guess. exactly. All right, uh, so that's a hero segment. Now we're going to switch it over to the other side of the coin. Villain segment. So this is the Howard Peck Award for standing up for villainy and standing up for tyranny. Yeah. Uh, so, Pete, you wanted to nominate this one academic study. I did, <laughs> I did want to nominate yeah. this one academic study. No, it's a bizarre one. It is a bizarre yeah. one. Look, I'm a live and let live character. If people want to yeah. study crazy stuff, fill your boots. However, this one in particular has... Uh, what is it? Grab yeah, you can eye. study it, but we will make fun of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And the world will keep circling. That's right. So that's what we're going to do. Dissenting Voices, a journal for the Women's and Gender Studies program at the College of Brockport State University of New York. Yep. Had, uh, put a piece in it, uh, put a journal article in the journal recently called Feminism and the Exploitation of Non-Human Reproductive Systems. Non-human being the operative word there. The author says that we have to face the rampant sexual exploitation of dairy cows mm. uh, by the milk industry in order to fully fight gender depression and compares cattle insemination to rape and the milking of cows to sexual abuse. Uh, we, I'll just quote something from the paper. We choose to neglect non-humans with whom we share a planet. We must treat them better, be, be, sorry, we must treat them better despite their voices being not always lifted or comprehensible. So the voices of cows, James, are yep. not always lifted and comprehensible. Be aware of that. Now, in a sense, so the author's called Mackenzie April. Yeah. Now, in a sense, she's so right. So can I just jump in here? Jump in. Because I would make fun of this, but if there was like a, uh, you know, a wide discussion and this like hearing and we got to hear from more voices concerned and 30 of the voices were actual cows that was mm. like just banging into a microphone, then everything is worth it. Well, we if can I, If it. I get to that, that would be hilarious. Let's do it next week. Just like this whole panel of judges nodding curtly while a cow just moves and feeds on grass for a while. Let's get out into the rural areas, chat some cows. <laughs> yeah. So Look, Mackenzie's technically right. No one's asked the cows if they want to be milked, so you know yeah. there's, there's no consent. But I would um, assume that like they would enjoy it, but, like or just like it is a natural process for them. No one's be full of milk. Yeah, but you know, no. <laughs> uh, you know, so um, anyway, for that, Mackenzie, uh, you can have a uh, a peck. Award for tyranny. All right, sweet. I'll fly through my one because we are running a bit late in the show. But uh, I had a, I, I praise Twitter now. They're now also my villain of the week. Uh, Rita Panahi, friend of the show. Everyone should follow her on Twitter. It's fantastic. She got uh, put in Twitter jail. She was locked out of her account. Um, it was threatening that she would ban if she continued to do it uh, because of a tweet she made in 2017, which was literally just a defender of Linda Sassor is like a common target of uh, Rita Panahi. A defender of Lisa, Linda Sassor steps forward. Of course, I indulge in lies, delusion and paranoia. Try harder, Muhammad. And then it was like a screenshot. Muhammad's deleted the tweet, so you can't see it on screen right now for people that are watching on uh, YouTube. But, you know, it was like a, they, they said it's, oh, it's inciting people to have a go at this Muhammad guy on Twitter and we're two years hence are going to lock you out of your account. So, I mean, Rita does kick up a bit of a storm. She does get involved in a few fist fights on Twitter. So Twitter would be like, when they start censoring people, I've always thought like Rita Panda, he would be someone they look at and they finally bit. Yep. Yep. So Twitter, got, they're a villain. So you've been a bit fickle. You said previously that you're, you're all around Twitter and now you're giving yep. them a rap. Yeah. So, well, I think they're Schrodinger's villain. Like they're both heroic and villainous at the same time. That's so deep, mate. Yeah. Thank you. Save those lines for the pub. All right. Uh, cool. That is it for the start of the show. Let's go to our interview with Drew Pavlou right now. Okay, we now welcome on to the show Drew Pavlo, who I'm really excited to speak to. Now, uh, Drew, you were organising some pro-Hong Kong demonstrations at the University of Queensland recently, so and things got a bit awry. So first off, I want to start with, like, what's burned you to organise these demonstrations? So I came to organise these demonstrations out of concerns for um, the way human rights are being violated in Hong Kong and Xinjiang systematically by the Chinese government. And I was concerned about how our university um, was taking a lot of money from this government that was perpetrating these terrible human rights abuses. Right, okay, terrific. So we had a, a demonstration at UQ that turned violent recently. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I was, it was a, we were completely peaceful on our side and we were simply um, leaving a sit-in uh, criticising our university's links to um, this foreign regime that is um, perpetrating these terrible human rights abuses. And um, the response by a counter-protesting um, 
the response from counter protesters was to surround us with and play the Chinese national anthem on a boom speaker. And um, and I was assaulted uh, by two to three uh, heavies, some of them wearing sunglasses, some of them wearing masks, speaking to like, I guess, China watchers that are experts in this area, like they think these guys that assaulted me were probably like Ministry of State Security types or People's Liberation Army's types, probably attached to the consulate with an official title like economics advisor, but really here as intelligence officers ready to like stir up trouble, violence, etc. Right, okay, so you don't think that there are other university students that are pro-China, you think these are people coming from outside of the university and coming in just to uh, break up these protests? So, so the, the vast majority of the counter-protesters um, were students, and the vast majority of the counter-protesters were peaceful, but there was a, an element of four to five men in the crowd that um, came with the express intention of committing violence. Uh, so, Drew, just before you were talking about how you were protesting your university's links to China, so what are those links and why are you standing against them? Right, so our university has actually been... Um, has actually been described as one of the seven or eight... Um, most heavily linked universities to the Chinese government in the English-speaking world. Um, so UQ has particularly close links to this government. And that wouldn't necessarily be a terrible thing were it not for these terrible, terrible human rights abuses that are being perpetrated. So um, to my mind, things like the mass detention and the, the mass detention of Weigar Muslims in concentration camps where up to two and a half million are languishing in these, like, these gulags, I, I think that's like a genocide on a scale we haven't seen in decades. And I would not want our university to be taking money from a government that's actively pursuing genocide. No worries, Drew. Now, you've also been on Q&A recently where you asked a question of the panel. Uh, Tony Jones uh, sort of inferred that there was a bit of violence on both sides during the protest. Uh, I think you called him an embarrassment. How did it feel to put one over Tony Jones on national television? Look, I just thought um, it was it was a really stupid comment by Tony because he was sort of um, he was sort of inferring that I was assaulted only because I had um, like responded to these death threats with like inflammatory insults, and he said something along the side lines you? of like, yeah, and and he was um he was saying something along the lines of like, do you think there was both there was violence on both sides and. I thought it was like quite uh, quite a funny comment. I thought it was quite reminiscent of um, Trump in the wake of the Charlottesville um, right saying there are fine people on both sides when there were like white supremacists and um, white supremacists and counter protesters like attacking each other, like the very fine people on both sides sort of thing. Yeah, it was such a direct hit because there's nothing that Tony Jones would hate more than being compared to Donald Trump on anything. So <laughs> you really knew you <laughs> how to get under his skin with that. Uh, the other one I want to yeah, talk yeah. about is uh, like the people's panelists that they had there. Lee C. Shu alluded that the CIA was involved in the Hong Kong protests and the US had the most to gain from them. So like, yeah, what, what's your so reaction sick. to that one watching along? Uh, it, it was really sick to see him imply that these protests are like are at the behest of intel foreign intelligence services. I've spoken to Hong Kong students. I've spoken to students from mainland China. They genuinely fear for their lives. Like, they've been doxxed. They've had. They've been harassed online. Their families back home have had special visits, knocks on the door in the middle of the night, telling, warning them that they will be hurt if they continue to protest in Australia, continue to protest in Hong Kong. So the suggestion that these people aren't fighting for freedom, aren't fighting for their lives to stand up for their rights, the idea that they're just simply like in the pay of the CIA and foreign intelligence services, I think that's a very sick idea. And it, it plays right into the propaganda of Beijing, which is very intelligent. It's not really designed to actually sway anyone, probably except for like a domestic domestic audience. But everyone, everyone I think, um, with a brain in um, the free world knows exactly what is behind this protest. It's these protests. These protests are a response to increasing bullying, the, the bullying, thuggery, harassment of the Chinese state against Hong Kong, Hong Kongers over years, and the the attempts to destroy the one country, two systems model, destroying and eroding Hong Kong's sovereignty and freedom. So I think everyone with a brain can can work that one out and see that this is not CIA. There are no CIA people behind the protests. Like the other day, we had 1.7 million Hong Kongers march. Um, for freedom through the streets of Hong Kong. Yeah, that's a lot of CIA now, agents. Yeah, yeah, a lot of CIA CIA agents, and and isn't it isn't it crazy? Like, to create 1.7 million dissidents in a prosperous, well-fed city in one of like the with one of the highest standards of living in the world, you really have to like really, really be stuffing that up if you're the Chinese government to so be creating that many dissidents in in one of the best best-fed, most economically prosperous places in the entire world. 
Yeah, you completely nailed it. So you put on these demonstrations and some violent people turn up and, you know, you're assaulted and there's other threats. And then we've got, like, uh, fake police cars are being spouted up around Australia at other demonstrations. Do you find that, like, uh, this intimidation, this level of violence, uh, are more people being attracted to your cause or are people starting to get scared away? Oh, 100% people are being attracted to our cause. So the first process on July 24, we had we had maybe 35 people turn up. And we were assaulted. And guess what happens at the next protest? We have 350. So, like, these people think that um, by harassing and harassing us and sending, sending us violent threats and trying to silence us through this thuggery, they think it, it works. It, it does the complete opposite. These guys have no idea. Like, these guys have no idea how um, people in the free world operate. So, Drew, just on that, so where can people go to find more information about the demonstrations if they want to get involved? If they want to get involved, they should like the Transparency for UQ Facebook page. And there's a protest on the on August 29th against the university's continued links with the Chinese Consul General in Brisbane, Zhu Ji, a man who um, praised the attacks on me and other Hong Kong protesters as patriotic. He's still currently a visiting professor at the University of Queensland one month after he made those statements praising violence on students. And we're going to be protesting right outside the Vice-Chancellor's office and demanding that he um, he be dismissed from his post. So one more question for you, Drew. Uh, we, yeah. we, you told us before this interview started that you're a bit of a lefty, but you've been doing media with the Bolt Report and the, the Young IPA podcast. Have, has this yeah. changed your view of the right in Australia? Look, I think... On issues such as this, where we see um, like this terrible tyrannical government perpetrating a genocide on a scale we've not seen arguably since the Holocaust, I think there's no really room for like petty left-right Australian political squabbles anymore. Like that has to be like a united front, popular front thing to confront. Like you, you need a popular front to confront this this level of tyranny because if we're divided and squabbling amongst each other, we'll all be crushed. All right, brilliant. Drew, uh, that was all the conversation I was hoping for. So, uh, Drew Pavlo, go like Transparency for UQ if you're one of the UQ students that listens to this podcast because uh, there's some really, really awesome work that you're doing and it's so good to hear that someone's standing up for uh, Hong Kong in Australia. Cool. Thank you so much, man. Good on you, Drew. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Okay, thank you too, Drew Pavlo. Really interesting discussion and one we want to keep having because we've brought in Adam... Welcome back. Uh, the first time that you two are sharing a desk since mm. uh, Adam replaced Pete. So, yep. Adam, any thoughts? Pete, any thoughts? It's oh. a little cosier on the table now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The three of us here together. It's just a bit, yeah. I'm a bit intimidated, actually. Yeah, Adam did very well yeah, in your absence. Ah, so, nice I'd guys. be worried. Yep, um, anyway, let's let's get to the point. Sorry. Uh, we had the interview with Drew, and I guess we wanted to find out a bit more about what university students are thinking about Hong Kong. Yeah, we did. So, you know, I thought I'd go down there, ask some students, uh, see what they felt about the, uh, the Hong Kong protests, and see where the uni stood on it, I guess. Have you seen any Hong Kong protests here at uni? I um, haven't seen any happening on campus, but I've heard a lot about them and seen them in Melbourne and stuff like that, yeah. It was the protests right at uh, the State Library, and... Uh thing is I didn't know exactly what they were saying but it was I think it was actually pro um, China in fact that night because they did have the Chinese flags and they had the yellow umbrellas to like help like cover them. I know there's been some going around Melbourne um, recently. Not at the University of Melbourne but I have seen protests at the University of Queensland I've heard about them anyway and I think it's very concerning that pro-democracy protesters are being threatened and harassed and intimidated and I think that we should stand up for the values that Australia was built on and that we should allow these people to air these values in a safe way. Do you think the university supports the Hong Kong protests? Do you mean like the pro-Hong Kong protests? Uh, I think, yeah, sure, they would want, you know, free speech and that kind of ideal like you would hope. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, the university is probably going to take a kind of uh, neutral stance on it, try and keep controversy out of the way. Oh, look, I think the university supports what is commercially viable for the university. At the end of the day, we, we know that international students are commercially viable for the university. And I think that the university would be very silly to support, uh, you know, protests if it meant uh, putting a wedge between... Uh, themselves and their commercial interests. Not so sure about the university itself. I know the student union 
does because um, that was you know recently voted for at a students council meeting so um, definitely they do support the protest. I mean I haven't seen the uni say much about it like if any at all so I've, I've seen people from the uni um, express their views but not the uni itself. I think the university has been silent on the issue and that's already quite indicative of the level of support that the university is willing to provide for these pro-democracy protesters. I think they are pro-Hong Kong because they want the students to express themselves, but again, I don't really know. <laughs> okay, cool. That was a really cool Vox Pop. So thank you, Adam, for uh, bringing that on. Um, yeah, let's talk about it because uh, it's really cool to hear how passionate people are about this issue hmm. at university. Yeah, it's nice to know that people are interested in it. I think it's pretty interesting that the uni hasn't said anything. That's, you know, the biggest takeaway for me. And, and I, I think you'd kind of expect them to. Mm. Now, have you been the target of any intimidation? Because there are a couple of fellows here from the Chinese government that want to see yeah, you I've, after this. I've been avoiding them. Okay. I've, been, I've been running away. Please don't tell them I'm here. Running around with a fake moustache, no one can tell. Uh, yeah, well, what's been your overall experience being a roving reporter? Is this the first time you've done something like this? Uh, yeah, I think it is. First time I've been out in the field. Yeah. Uh, people don't really like being asked questions at uni, but... Yeah. Uh, we tracked a few of them down. Well, We'd for people that are watching on YouTube, I find it interesting how, like, I think a few of them might have hit the cutting room floor, but, like, there were a lot of people who gave answers looking directly at camera, and it's like, people, I, I, there are some people who are like, oh, okay, here's my opinions. Yep. Here, here are my thoughts <laughs> they, on the this world. This is their time to shine. Yeah, They've yeah. been waiting for this. Because <laughs> there was someone that asked to not be, so yeah. they gave an interview, then they said, can you please not include Yeah, them? we did, um, we did interview someone. Um, they were, they were a more socialist, you know, on the socialist side of the fence, but it was interesting to see they actually were part of a pro Hong Kong protest, mm -hmm. um, which you know is good to see. But um, yep. yeah, they decided they didn't want to be in it. Okay, fair enough then. All they right, missed cool. out. All right, sweet. Uh, so Adam, thank you so much for bringing that on. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of this, we're sitting uh, to Beijing next week. By wow. Way. Oh, great. Wow. Can I go? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> That's sweet. Uh, so on the other side of this, we've got a few stories that have made us laugh this week. So let's do that. Let's do it. Okay, thank you to Adam for those Vox Pops. Really interesting to get a flavour of uh, what people on campus are thinking about the Hong Kong stuff. Uh, and yeah, that's a really cool segment. So I think we'll make Adam official roving reporter as we try and figure out how we can navigate a post-Adam, post-Pete, mm. but still Pete, but still Adam future. Yeah, send him around the country. Good for him. <laughs> name, name needs a workshop. <laughs> But uh, the thought is there. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into some of the stuff that we've uh, introduced, found this week makes us laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, Pete, I, I know you want to start off with a bit of soccer chat. Yep, so I'm a massive soccer fan, of yep. course. We all know that probably. So Wayne Rooney, British footballer, signed for Derby County recently. A bit of a money spinner for him. Hasn't actually started playing for Derby County yet. So we've got this footage of him uh, scoring an absolute cracker of a goal. Uh, why, Look at why, that. Pete, why are we watching soccer? That's right. So <laughs> for those watching, obviously, this is for those watching on this YouTube. This is for a story, right? For those, uh, for those who are listening probably can't, probably can't hear that. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, that was Wayne Corey scoring a goal. Okay, uh, great. Wayne glad, glad that made it into the show. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. So he went, so the, the big story here is that he's taken number 32 at Derby County, which is a yep. low profile number. Yes. Right? His wage is meant to be 90,000 90, pounds a week and it's been sponsored subsidised by the club's sponsor, 32 Red, yep. which is a gambling company, right? So as you can imagine, this has kicked up a bit of a fuss. Labor MP Carolyn Harris said, when will celebrities realise that involvement in gambling is not right or moral? Uh, many people look to Wayne Rooney as a role model and yet he's prepared to sell his soul. Sell his soul, James. Yeah. Uh, Deputy Leader, Labor Leader Tom Watson complained that the deal prioritises profit over fan welfare. So just to, just to clarify for the people playing at home, half the teams in this league that Rooney's playing in uh, are sponsored by gambling companies, over yep. half, and the league itself. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, people. There is gambling in sport. Yeah, exactly. Uh, can I oh, sorry, Can I make sure I've got this correct as well? It's good to make sure you've got things right. So Wayne Rooney is in England and he's like one oh, – sorry, Wayne Rooney is one of England's best ever soccer players and like high scorer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he goes to America because he's at the end of his career and he wants to cash in. Correct. And then this team brings him back to England where mm -hmm. fans would want to watch him play, mm -hmm. but that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure that I got that completely right. Because gambling's evil. Yeah, because gambling is evil and we all want to exist in a fantasy reality where money and sport doesn't mix. Yeah. The thing that people want to pay for and pay money to bet on doesn't happen. Exactly right. Get off right, my back. Okay, uh, I've got another one here. So a few weeks ago we uh, had the story of the mayor who uh, turned off the lights that illuminated a park at night and all the people were like, but I want to walk home safely. And she said, no, climate is a problem. Mm -hmm. So we've got a new story about that. So Byron Mayor, different uh, counts, obviously. So Byron Mayor Simon Richardson has come up with a uh, fun way to reduce energy use in his shire. He's turning off streetlights. 
Turning off street lights. Turning off street lights. So, okay. uh, you know, to save the planet, you are now just making a absolute. Uh, you have no idea where you're going to be driving at night. You don't know if you're on a road or on a side path, yeah. side path or if you're on, in the middle of someone's house. Yeah. You're just going to have to make sure that you are driving and also saving the planet at the same time well, so what, everyone can be happy. Once cars smash into each other, they can't drive anymore. Yeah, exactly. And they'll know that they're on a road because they've smashed into another car yeah. unless both of them are in someone's house. Yeah, so anyway, I just love the idea, like uh, another council coming forward with this idea, like we're going to save the planet, but we're not just we're just not going to care about people's safety at all. That's amazing. So, yeah. so you said Byron Bay. Yeah. Well, that's hardly predictable. I mean, hardly unpredictable. Yeah, I know. Like uh, again, breaking news: local council has a stupid idea, but this yeah. one is particularly stupid. Yeah. Okay. No, right, so don't drive in Byron Bay yeah. and don't walk and don't be in there. Get the bus. Cars are just flying around everywhere. Oh, do you know what I, just I wouldn't even it? get the bus to be honest. I mean, the bus is going to be bigger than the other cars that you're going to be approaching in complete darkness. Funny you should mention that, James. Yep. My uncle runs a small bus company in Byron Bay. Okay, so in the I, show right there. He's going to be getting a lot of business. I can't remember the name of the company, so unlucky for him, but check it out. Okay, well, we've had the Wayne Rooney goal that no one could hear and we've got Pete's uncle has a company that no one knows about. Well, everyone on the show so next Pete's week. really bought, bought, the, bought the hammer down to his first show back. Hey, I'm Rusty, mate. I've been right. away. Okay, cool. Uh, let's, let, you can save it here yeah. because this story is pretty funny This as well. is an amazing story which everyone will love. Gender stereotypes in ads in the United Kingdom. We told you in June uh, that the UK was banning gender stereotypes in ads. Yep. We've actually got the first two ads that have been banned under the new regime. The first one is an ad for Philadelphia cream cheese, and the second ad is for Volkswagen, and we're going to play them both now. New dad too. Mm-hmm. Wow, look at this lunch. Yeah, hard to choose. Okay, so people that can't see, they've both left their children the on a conveyor belt while they're distracted by food. Yeah. Let's not tell mom. Righto, and here is the second one from Volkswagen. Yeah, this is pretty boring ad. What's going on here? Doesn't it make you just want to buy a Volkswagen? So there you go. Obviously that one uh, for the ones listening. What was it? Okay, so for people that are listening, that was literally just a man waking up in a spaceship and then another man running, but he didn't have a leg. <laughs> and then a woman reading a book. Yeah, yeah. So the first one was the... Box- did, first off, how, why am I buying a Volkswagen? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, James. So yeah, like the, that's meant to be showing men doing extraordinary things and that's meant to make you want to buy right, uh, like a waking Volkswagen. Up. I'll give you... Yeah, one of them was waking up. I'll give you what the, what the people said, the Advertising Standards Authority. They said uh, that... The uh, by juxtaposing images of men in extraordinary environments and carrying like out up. adventurous activities with women who appeared passive or engaged in a stereotypical caregiving role, because that showed a mum there, uh, that that's making that's changing people's aspirations. And the first one's obviously blokes being stupid and losing the kids. <laughs> I can tell you what, that second ad did not change my aspirations. Because <laughs> okay. I am just as likely to buy a Volkswagen Golf this afternoon as I was before I saw that What chance is that? Uh, zero. So I think what we've learned from that is that it's wrong. You can't show blokes being stupid. Yep. And you can't show blokes being... Smart. Amazing. Yep. You can just show blokes being mediocre. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but in a way, isn't that a stereotype as well? <laughs> I don't become know. its own stereotype. <laughs> this is know. what we say. A, stereotypes are an amorphous thing. Like yeah. You say this is a stereotype. We'll show a new one. That's going to become the stereotype. So we have to go back to the first one. And that's a stereotype. This is the official position of the British government, James. Yeah. And, and the second one was... And, the, and so the second take for me of this is the official position of the British government is that looking after a kid is not extraordinary. Wow. They said, you know, running, going on, you know, going in spaceships, that's been yep. being extraordinary. But the women is in a, in a passive or engaged in a stereotypical caregiving role. Uh, not, not extraordinary. Uh, I also like the Volkswagen ad that you bought up uh, only received three complaints before it was axed. Country of 60 million. <laughs> to be honest, well, I mean, probably only three people made it to the end of the day to figure out what they were complaining about. But yep. like three complaints gets you banned? Yeah, this is well, uh, it's out of control. All anyway. right. Uh, okay, so we're gonna we've got a few things that we're gonna do first, but uh, I wanted to also because this is gonna be the last part of the show. Where it's just me and Pete together, so okay. I did want to catch up with Pete and just go, Pete, you've been away for a few weeks. You've been to Europe, exactly. Right. And uh, if there's one thing that's synonymous with going to Europe, it is finding yourself and finding <laughs> like a new being. Um, have you come back a completely new person? Do you now bring up Europe in every single conversation? I wouldn't say that I'm a new person. I haven't brought up Europe that many times. Yep. I've brought up that I've jet lagged a few times. I'll show you. I'll just flash up a photo on the screen for those people watching at home of me meeting just one of the locals flavor. 
in uh, at the cricket in Edbaston. Look at that. Bloke. <laughs> this is Pete the, with the portliest man in the world. On the one on the left, by the way. <laughs> so look at that. So that was one of the. Oh, and that's the next photo which Saul's just chucked up is me yeah. and my mate Harry, who's a listener of the show. Sweet. With uh, Smokey Dawson, who's a famous ABC uh, commentator, who was at the wedding I was at. It was my best mate's wedding in Cornwall. Right. So that was a massive night. It was great. That's such a treat for people watching on YouTube. <laughs> We've seen Pete with a shirtless man, and then Pete with two people that I don't know. Yeah. So that's good. Well, the one in the middle is quite famous. Anyway. Right. Uh, so lesson that I Dude, learned. Yeah. What the lesson learn? I learned. So day four of the Are cricket. Are you a new person? I'm not a new person. Day four of the cricket sat there, you know, 25,000 stinky, fat English people. Yeah. Pete's home. <laughs> yeah. Halfway through, the afternoon, halfway through the afternoon, you know, Steve Smith makes his hundred. They all start singing God Save the Queen. And I'm no monarchist or anything like that, but it was just beautiful. Yep. And it's like this ama- amazing sound and it's, don't judge a book by its cover because okay. they were just fat, ugly, stinky, drunk poms. And yep. they create, I don't understand how they could create something so beautiful. Right. That's it. That's my lesson. <laughs> how, why aren't you writing this down, James? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I need to go to Europe and sit with fat, stinky poms and hear <laughs> God Save the Queen. And then, then I'll come back. It was beautiful. It was All right. Uh, okay, cool. So uh, we're now going to go to an interview uh, with Kirstie O'Sullivan mm. from the Liberal Democratic Party. We're going to be talking about a video game that just got banned in Australia. It's a super fun interview. Stick around for that. And then on the other side of that is going to be, hey, what did we miss? The IPA quiz. So stick around. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show, friend of the show and general manager of El, uh, the Liberal Democratic Party, Admin Limited, and vice president of the national executive, Kirsty O'Sullivan. Welcome Thanks back. Thanks for having me back. Thank L- you. Now, Kirsty, we've got a lot to get into mm-hmm. for this show. Uh, but first off, I think we need to discuss the most important thing, which is we're both Richmond fans oh. and flag, surely. Like, oh, surely. Flag? It's going to happen. Down. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's going to happen. That was one of the best victories I've seen. I was thumping my chest. Uh, I was running I said, around I, the room. I think I, it took 10 years off my life. Yep. Um, it was amazing. But I've also been discussing this with Bernie Finn and we've decided this is definitely going to happen. We, we're due for the flag again. Uh, we yep. need it. Last year was just, you know. It was off. It was off. It was, it off. was off. Yeah, there was uh, something in no. the water, but we're back. Let's <laughs> just talk about this for the next 10 minutes. I would do a Joe Rogan four-hour deep dive. We'd be talking about Jaden Short's kicking efficiency for hours. Oh, well, cool. yeah. All right, we've lost every West Coast fan, but yeah. I reckon we've still got a whole lot of people that are going to care about these issues. That's so, uh, Liberal Democrats had a bunch of media this week mm. off the back of Day Z's ban in Australia. So, what is Day Z and why was it banned? Oh, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to say Day Z or Day Z, but anyways, mm. um, Z is a bit American, American, isn't it? Yeah, but I think yeah. it's like Z for zombie. Yeah, yeah, would yeah. be my guess. Maybe. Yeah. So Tim Quilty actually took this to task, and he did a great job at it. I love the way that Tim, uh, the way he sort of he's so deadpan with his humour in Parliament. It's it's he's always putting in a few little cheeky uh, lines. But basically, um, this game had been on the market for five years already. Uh, And what they found, uh, there was cannabis in the files. It wasn't actually even used in the game, but actually in the files of the game. and they, in Australia, uh, because we're a bunch of wowsers, they decided that, no, 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 we can't have that. Um, and so basically they're having to change the game throughout the whole world um, so as not to affect the market in Australia. So they have, the way that they were going to use it, they have morphine used as a medicinal substance within the game because it's just basically a zombie-chasing game. Um, uh, and so they were going to apparently going to be using cannabis as a medicinal thing. There was no one, I don't know, flaming bongs or lighting up... <laughs> joints or something. So to defeat this this next zombie, you have to do a gravity bomb. That's right, that's right. Um, So they were basically, what they're sort of saying is that we're going to use it as a medicine as well. But no, no, we can't have that. As I said, not even actually in the game, still only in the files. Killing, murdering, chasing people, that's totally fine, yep. even though that's also illegal. Um, it seems that's thats totally fine in video games, but no, the idea of um, having medicinal cannabis just even on the file of the game, too far for Australia. So I was going to ask, what's your highest score on how many zombies have you killed? Obviously, I am shit at all <laughs> video games. Um, well, you say shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one can yell at us. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Mario Kart is kind of like my my limit, or yeah, yeah. yeah no, I was still playing games. FIFA ninety nine, <laughs> FIFA five. Yeah. I do have two sons, so I see yeah. it all, and I just come in. I'm like, Ugh, and I well, I wasn't allowed video games growing up, so my whole Mario Kart existence is just going over to friends' houses, and I've got I'm the classic like, yep. oh, my that's great. Like <laughs> yeah. when you think you're winning, and then you're like, oh wait, I'm top, and I'm still at the start yeah, line. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about that because uh, you hit the nail on the head when you said like in the game, like when the game developers of Daisy or Daisy for Pete, uh, when they made it, <laughs> Australia, mate. When, Australia. when they made it, 
they didn't actually put this in the game. Like this is fans yeah. meddling about with the files and creating like a community mod is just yes. the yes. phrase. And then they get punished for what their fans are doing with the product, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. As I said, it's crazy. And the fact, well, I know that uh, – and the fact that it had to change throughout the whole entire world just because of Australia's really? regulations yeah, is so ridiculous. But I know that in the game, uh, in Fallout, where they had – they were also using morphine. They just changed the word to MedX or whatever it was. So, mm. And that seemed to be okay with – the wows are bored. So maybe they'll just do that, change the, the word cannabis to something else. Yeah. <laughs> Canex. Green medicine. Green yeah, medicine. Yeah. I'm not sure, but maybe that will just appease uh, appease the board. So as I said, murdering in all sorts of forms, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but the idea of having medicinal cannabis there, too far. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to hit on because like – it's not as bad as murdering people. So why do yes. why do you think they get so swept up with the with honestly? The I thing? yeah, honestly, I have no no idea why why there's just one little thing. Whereas I said, you can do almost anything else. In yeah, most like of you these literally, games. it's not just zombies that you're killing. It is literally like yeah. other survivors yeah. that you can choose to be friends with yeah. or Ooh, kill. Got deep on this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's called research. Research, research. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just going to say, like, uh, the other part of this band that I love is that, like you said, it was available for five years yeah, online. five like, years. For five years, Australian gamers have been playing yep. this game, but it's yep. a physical copy that gets yes. banned because the government doesn't know that people buy games online? Is that know, the idea? I know, but it's actually going to be affecting the digital sales as well. It's right. actually going right through and worldwide. So, yeah, hopefully it will just be this little little name change yeah. and then it won't mean too much of a but I, but I mean issue. in the sense of like for five years the government yeah. doesn't realise that this game can no. be bored because they don't walk into JB Hi-Fi and see <laughs> it. But now that they see it, they go, hmm, mm, I need to step in here. That's bad, yeah. very bad, very bad. Yeah, so I, I think it's just crazy. And once again, just another uh, example of nanny state ideals yeah. just telling us what to do. And now we can't even play, I mean, play the video game. I don't know, it's very bizarre to yeah. me. So we've had a couple of very famous games banned in Australia, mm. uh, Saints Row and the Witcher series. What are uh, your high scores on those, Pete? Really good on both <laughs> of them. Um, why is it that video games generally are banned in Australia? And why do people zero in on video games? As yeah, like well, it's, just, it's this whole thing. I mean, even Trump's said it recently as well about the video games. So it's this whole bizarre notion that to me sort of stems back like through the 80s and 90s, that sort of puritanical, and it was then, it was just like the ultra-religious right, whether it be video games, whether it be like metal music yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, the same kind of thing. And obviously we had, you know, it, it sort of went on particularly about the music um, back in those days. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's no studies actually showing um, any link between increased violence from any sort of video game or any particular music that someone likes. So Yeah, this is a YouTube deep dive, but there mm. was like a hearing <laughs> from when the religious people were starting to say you can't listen to metal mm, music. Mm. And I think it was like Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, yes. who led it. But you've got some like death metal acts <laughs> presenting to the US Congress about yeah. the, why people should listen to their music. Yeah, yeah. And it's always electric. I, <laughs> I, remember, electric I remember the Twisted Sister guy. <laughs> Twisted, that's the one. I was trying to think, like, because, which band yeah, was it? It was Twisted Sister. I was like, I don't know, grade one or something, and their We're Not Gonna Take It song yeah. was just like all the rage at our school disco yeah. at a Catholic primary school that I was at. Yeah, it still goes <laughs> off. still goes off. <laughs> we're not going to take it. Yeah. And now we're still we're still having to deal with rubbish like this 30, 40 years later. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Did you say that was Al Gore's wife? Uh, typical, yeah, yeah. yeah, So they've just been into conspiracy theories for ages. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, yes, yes. let's move on to the next bit. So you do. So this is part of the nanny state we've been talking about. Do you think Australians, deep down, like to have the government there protecting them, or are you optimistic and think that actually we'd love to stand on our own two feet a bit more? And I kind of, I kind of sway. Okay. Sometimes I, I sort of think I don't know if it's something about me um, that I don't like being told what to do, mm -hmm. and I think that's why I'm involved with the Liberal Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were a whole bunch of people that don't like being told what to do. Yeah, this wasn't filmed, but when we asked Kirsty to take the seat, uh, I just said, would you like that seat? She picked up the chair, threw it across the room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. that's the libertarian way. Yeah. We just, you, know, you, can't, you can't tell me what to do. Exactly, it was terrifying. Exactly. Uh, so, but then I sort of see, like, I'm always amazed by the amount of, particularly through younger people, the amount of people that are wanting more rules and more legislation. Oh, the government needs to do something. The government should put extra taxes on sugar and do this and do that. That, when I read those kind of things or I see those kind of things happening on the news or whatever, I'm sort of like, wow, this is weird. Yeah. And then, you know, someone will put up a comment like, ah, we're, a, you know, a penal colony country. We just like our chains. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe <laughs> we do. I don't know. I find it very bizarre. And, and, you know, and there seems to be more and more stats uh, 
you know, with the amount of younger people, I hate using the term millennials all the time, but younger people wanting more control uh, by the government over yeah. their lives, yeah. Yeah, like uh, I've got a few very heavy gamer friends who were just like, oh, I mean, it is a bit weird that things like this happen. And mm. you're like, what What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> look, look at yourself. <laughs> and the other part I want to hit on is uh, you said before how like this used to be the religious right that were getting mm. involved in all these things. Yeah. But when you talk about the video games that are getting banned now, it's like, you know, oh, too much violence and too much sex and stuff yes, like that. Yes. It's tend to be more of a left-wing thing most these days. Most definitely. It, se- it seems to be that's where most of the kind of calls for banning is coming from is more of a puritanical left now. Yeah. It seems to have switched completely and hence why the whole free speech argument seems to be more of a right-wing uh, conspiracy now. But um but, yeah, it seems to be much more of that sort of lift and that's why so many people find that they are, you know, the old sort of saying, I, I didn't leave the left, the left left me because now they're sort of wanting more uh, control and restrictions over movies and well, art and everything. It's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. I feel, you know, it, we're supposed to be much more enlightened, I suppose, and there's so many things that uh, that, that change in, in, in our community and in our structure that way. But then when those very simple uh, legislations come through it just it seems so weird to me yeah mm. so video games weed what else are the ldp going to be focusing on well the next little bit? speaking of weed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry my headphones keep falling off um i'm actually uh organizing an event up in sydney um on the 9th of september um we're doing a cannabis as medicine event and we've got the somewhat controversial Pete Evans speaking. Um, and then we've got Satya Mara from the ATA. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be talking about more of the, the economics regarding like the legalisation of cannabis and where that would go that way. And then we've also got a doctor, Dr Sanjay Nijawan from the Cannabis Access Clinics. He is the general director of a whole bunch of cannabis access clinics for medicinal cannabis. Uh, obviously, medicinal cannabis is legal. It's just in very, very low and limited supplies and it's very difficult for a lot of patients to actually access treatment and still pretty expensive at the moment, unfortunately. So uh, even in Sydney, there's only about five clinics throughout the place that actually can do it. Um, So obviously there's a massive waiting list for people to get in. One of the reasons why I particularly chose that clinic to have someone to represent from is that they also are part of a program um, called the BOD, which is a trial for... Uh, ex-defence members uh, to using medicinal cannabis for PTSD anxiety symptoms. So we've got a charity. This is actually a charity event and I'm going to spruik this now as yeah, well. Go for so it. Yeah, this for is people on YouTube uh, who are watching through YouTube, Sydney she's got the Sydney Veterans paper. Lodge. So these guys are in Western Sydney um, and they're actually a lodge set up by ex-defence members and their supporters and it's basically a place that's open 24-7 for veterans to just come and hang out and they're also expanding and doing some more building at the moment as well, and they're looking at having you know temporary accommodation. Obviously, almost I would say almost every week we get more stories about another veteran, and they're generally quite young people that have committed suicide. Um, I find this completely unacceptable. I have a lot of defence uh, friends and family. My own son was also in the navy. And he was actually the one that put me onto this particular lodge and they've been really great. So ticket sales for the event is $20. Mm-hmm. It's all on Eventbrite or on the New South Wales Liberal Democrats Facebook page. Um, uh, ticket sales go towards the lodge and then we're also having a raffle um, and a bit of a pass the hat around as well for these guys. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, what can good. people Google to find out more? So, as I said, on the on Eventbrite, it's called Cannabis as Medicine. Yep. So you can either go to straight to Eventbrite or you can go to the New South Wales Liberal Democrats Facebook page because the event is up there as well. I, cool. I was going to say, in this event, if you do prove that cannabis is good medicine, maybe we can modify Gen Z. Uh, sorry, what is it? Day, Day Z. Z. <laughs> maybe we can modify it. Sorry, that if a character has to take it, another character can appear and say, well, I don't think that's good medicine. They turn around, well, well, actually, I went to an LDP event back that's before right. the they zombie apocalypse. Fine. They said yeah. it was fine. Well, this Could is work. the crazy thing. Like, as I said, even, even that game where they're looking, where they're using it, well, they're going to be using it medicinally, like the morphine. That's legal in Australia, mm. so it, it's very bizarre that whole that whole ban. But as I said, I, I loved uh, Tim's uh, speech about it in Parliament. It was fantastic. All right, brilliant, Kirsty. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, a lot. guys. All right, uh, wrapping up the show this week, we are going to do another round of Hey, What Did We Miss? Mm. Uh, the Young IPA Quiz. So Nothing. joining us is returning champion, national manager of the Generation Liberty Program, Renee Gorman. Carryover yeah. champ. Uh, Carryover champ. That's exactly what I said, but thank you, Pete. You said returning champion. That's right. <clears throat> it begins. Uh, Patrick Hannaford, research fellow here at the IPA, willing to de- uh, waiting to dethrone Renee. 
and it's making up the numbers, we have Peter Gregory. I'm back and I'm going to win every week. Yeah. Peter yeah. has been talking all kinds of trash to you two all day. <laughs> to me, about you two. Exactly right. Well, I noticed that you have to bring in two people to beat me, so. Well, oh! Okay. Uh, contentious. So Patrick, any, uh, anything you want to say to rattle the other two's cages? No, I'll just let my performance... Uh... <laughs> This is, this is Paddy's debut on the podcast. This is Paddy's debut yes, on the yes. podcast. Very exciting. It's coming at a very, very key time. Okay, uh, let us begin this uh, quiz. All right, so uh, with the rules, one point for each, minus one for an incorrect answer. Oh, really? Now, Pete, uh, you're new to the quiz. Uh, I know you're a keen listener of the quiz. Yeah, yeah, I watched it last week. <laughs> Renee was very impressive. Uh, so the buzzers for this is going to be you saying your first name. So let's get a buzzer check from Pete. Roof Seal. <laughs> that's, that's my nickname. I'm going to go with that. Roof Seal. <laughs> Pat. Pat. Renee. Renee. Alrighty. Alright. Uh, you want to go, or, or? <laughs> if I win, we're going to play that song as my victory lap. Alright, fair enough. Okay. Uh, Alright, so question one. The Prime Minister of which Pacific Island nation has oh. been at Scott Pat. Morrison? Pat. Tivoli. Done. Alright. Oh. 1.2, Patrick. Uh, Alright, so oh, question. You said that in the pre meeting as well. <laughs> I That's really how thought you knew I was going to get that. Wait, so you've cheated and you don't even know the answer. No, we were talking about it's a long story. Yeah, it's, it's a long, basically, it's a long story. All right. Uh, question two. The US wants to buy Greenland. Who currently owns it? Peter. Peter. Roof Seal. Denmark. Denmark is correct. Yes. Well done, the Roof Seal. Come on. All right. Uh, question three. Queensland are about to pass laws targeting the tactics of which environmental protest group that Roof does seal. stunts around Australia? Pete. Get up. No. Oh, Renee. 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 Uh, I think Pat got it. Uh, Extinction Rebellion. Correct, Pat. Oh, I knew it was Extinction Rebellion. <laughs> Read the paper, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, which band has released a song with climate campaigner Greta Thunberg this week? Roof Thunberg. Seal. Roof Seal. No, nah, I don't know. Uh, that's minus one for the Roof oh, Seal. You lose more. I forgot you lose points. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Anyone else want to take a stab? British band. I know. Uh, yeah. Too I late. It's so 1975, uh, and they're a good band, so go and listen to all of their other they stuff. sound like a great band. <laughs> Check out Paris. It's a very good song. Uh, oh. All right, question five. At what number is the cutoff for cash payments under the proposed law before it would Roof be seal. considered Renee. a crime? Roof seal. 10,000. 10,000 is yes, correct. Back Roof seal, zero. back on the board, Renee. Let's get a buzzer check because Renee is a returning champion and not even far off her answer. Uh, all right. Uh, question six. According to friend of the show, Kurt Wallace, in his report out this week, workers employed in small business was at 50% a decade Renee. ago. What was it as of 2017, oh, Renee? Completing the question. I said I was talking to Kurt. 41%? Rev Seal. 47. Pat? Everyone 45. else has got minus one. I'll give it to Pat. Closest to the market, it's 44. Oof. All right, so Pat storming away. Pat, score check. Patrick is on three. Peter is on one. Renee still on... No, Peter's... I'm on minus one. <laughs> yeah. Can you Renee's not negative one and Pete's on zero. <laughs> this is my first time. All right. Uh, all right. Oh, he's negative. Questions. I've got a real have-a-go attitude, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're firing off uh, answers, and that's what we want out of a quiz. All right, question seven. Uh, who paid for climate campaigners... Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's private jets Renee. in the south of France this week. They're fourth in 11 days. Renee. Elton John. Correct. Renee is on the board. All right. What's with completing the question when people jump in? Well, you just want to get the question out of there. But like, if you say it. Yep. So yeah. start a question. Uh, why is Peter Rip interrupting me? You've got to stop the question when yep. they jump in. Anyway. Okay, fine. All right. Well, noted. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, which two US politicians were denied entry into Israel this week? Uh, Pat. Pat. Uh, Oh, time's gone. There's a part of the squad. Yep. Um, Good so far. Illinois. Yep, that's yep. one. Good one. And uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> can I finish it? <laughs> yeah, you can steal it. Um, oh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio. No, Cortez. incorrect. Oh, really? Another nine is one for Renee. Wait, do, I, do I get half a point? <laughs> you do. The other one is Rashida Tlaib. Uh, How do I pronounce that? Tlaib? No, but a Cortez has punished Israel by not going to Israel, which what I've, a punishment! What a yeah. punishment for Israel! Like, I think yeah, how is Israel ever going to recover from <laughs> that? They must be kicking themselves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, question nine: uh, The New Ooh. South Wales state government is in absolute turmoil at the moment. Okay. All right. <laughs> what is the answer to this question? This is a good feat. Good, good <laughs> answer. What's the abortion? answer? No. It was going to be spell Gladys, whatever. Oh, spell the whole thing. Spell it. A, B, no. O. Uh, well, do I have to spell her first name and her last name? Let's just go the surname. Oh, no, I, don't, I don't want to lose the point. <laughs> do I lose the point? Have yep. a go? Uh, just have a go. B-E-R-Z. No. <laughs> Gladys, B-E-R-E-J-I-K-L-I-A-N. 
right. Uh, sorry, who am I? Score check. I've got Pat at 3.5, Renee at zero, and Pete at zero. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Pat, wait. How many? How many points is the who I'm on? Well, there's going to be a five, a four, a three, a two, and a one. So, so you two win. need to get in on the first two, or Pat's got it. <laughs> I'm going to steal this right, right. on the death. So, yes. Okay. So we're recording this on Tuesday, August the twentieth. August the twentieth is the day that I was killed in 1940. Five points. The day that you were killed. Yep. Don't know. There could have been lots of people killed. 1940. Okay. For four points. I was killed by Roman Masada, probably, well, actually, certainly under the orders of my political adversary. This I is your last chance to take it from Pat. Don't know. Oh, Peter, uh, Roof Seal. Roof Seal. No, I don't know. Do I lose points for that? No. Okay. You yeah. should, but you won't. Yeah, no, I was trying to, I was, yeah, I got nothing. All right, well, let's see if we can still get it. So I was made Secretary of Foreign Affairs after the 1917 Russian Revolution. Uh, Pat. Pat. Trotsky. Trotsky. Pat uh, with an absolute Trotsky. steamroll, 6.5. The rest of them scores. Pat, you are now reigning champion. We'll have you back on next week. Well Pete, done, Patty. Pete, Renee, you talked a lot Sorry, of... Sorry, Pete. Maybe next time. <laughs> well, a I'm trash. a little bit disappointed. Pat, Pat cheated. He actually knows things, and that's <laughs> yeah. cheating. Well, <laughs> that is cheating. Yeah. How dare you? We should have a... That's a good song. Uh, there should be a six-point handicap for Pat cheating. So, Pat, you win, <laughs> 0. 0.5 to 0 and 0. Oh, pretty close, though, wasn't it? <laughs> that's an absolute nail-biting finish. All right, cool. That is it for the show this week. Thank you to all of our guests. Thank you to listening. Uh, sorry. Thank you to everyone out there listening. We're available on all good podcast platforms. And you can now watch this whole thing, including the quiz, mm. on our YouTube channel. So see you guys next week. See ya.